Um, I just want to say it's a great, um, great privilege uh, to be uh, with you this morning, and for me to uh, kind of, you know, bring to conclusion, as Sam said, uh, the end of the Sun on the Mount series. So it's been a brilliant time, hasn't it, over a long period, uh, looking through three chapters of, of challenging, thought-provoking, and relationship-changing teaching. So it begins in chapter five, if we can kind of cast our minds back to when we did it. So seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. So he began speaking, he spoke about the Beatitudes, he spoke about talking about being salt and light, about how he came to fulfil the law, about anger, about lust, about divorce, about oaths, retaliation, loving your enemies, giving to the needy, teaching us how to pray with the Lord's Prayer, about fasting, about laying up treasures in heaven, about not being anxious, about not judging others. And then, as one of my favourite bits of scripture, about asking, seeking and knocking. I'll forever remember that from Kids Club days. Uh, speaking on the narrow gate, uh, trees and their fruit, the challenging piece of scripture about how not everyone will enter the kingdom of heaven. And finishing on what I'm speaking on today, Two Foundations, which is the title for today's talk. Or as it says in my Bible, build your house on the rock. Which will cover the first biggest part of what I'll be speaking on this morning. So will you turn with me as we try and digest uh, what I truly believe uh, will bless and challenge many, uh, if not all of us, uh, this morning. And that definitely, definitely includes myself. So let's read together Matthew 7, 24 to 27. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain fell and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Let's just pray quickly. Lord God, we thank you uh, for your presence amongst us uh, this morning. May our hearts and minds be directed to you as we come to hear what you have put on my heart to bring. I want to thank you for the challenges that you have put on my mind as I've prepared for this. For this morning. Holy Spirit, would you rain down upon us and wash us anew as we look upon your word? Would you shape us? Would you change us? Would you speak to us? And then would you release us? Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Now, when preparing for this morning, there are a couple of things uh, that I thought I need to steer clear of. For those of you that have heard me talk um, before, um, you know that I work with young people. Yeah, so there's a few nods. I work with young people. And that I have a house. I have a house. Did you know that? Yeah. Um, so there you go. I've said it. That's the last two times I'm going to mention about those two things, which is unlike previous talks I've done. Which is quite hard, considering I'm talking about foundations. So houses, foundations. I could use a lot of analogies for that. But if I'm honest with myself, I think this, this is one of the most important talks I've ever given at church. I don't want our focus to as much be about you know, my work and my house 
Uh, I want our focus this morning to be fully on him. He is Yahweh. He's king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. The God of breakthrough. He's, he's our healer. He's redeemer. He's our counsellor. The one who binds up the broken hearted. He is the solid rock on which we should stand. Um, I've enjoyed reading some of the books that Sam provided for us, uh, preparing for these talks. One of these books is, is aptly named The Sermon on the Mount, which is quite helpful. Uh, it's by a guy called Rob Warner, and I'd love to share with you um, an excerpt uh, from, from it. It says, Only the storm makes apparent the decisive contrast between the rock and the sand. In times of ease, the apparent reliability and safety of one kind of building is indistinguishable from the other. Jesus clearly indicates that the trials of life, far from being wanton and destructive, vindicate the genuine faith of living discipleship. Warner goes on to say, Jesus' concluding parable therefore conveys several pressing and practical implications. Firstly, our response to Jesus and his teaching is absolutely critical and decisive. Secondly, Jesus calls us not merely to be hearers, but doers of his words. Thirdly, the time of a storm is the time when living faith comes, in, comes into its own, enabling us to stand secure. And lastly, fourthly, having begun in the way of saving faith, it is actually possible that later in life we can turn, we can still turn to building upon sand. How challenging is that? Especially that second part uh, that I mentioned. Um, this excerpt shaped my thinking and what my point should be for this morning. So I've made it nice and simple to follow. Uh, three points, you'll be glad to hear. Uh, a nod from Paul in the corner. Uh, and they all begin with D. There we go. So I've got number one, I've got doing. Yep. Secondly, determination. And thirdly, discipleship. So firstly, to not simply be hearers of these words. You know, we can kind of come to church, can't we, and just hear these words. Um, but to be doers as well. Secondly, simply regaining a determination to stand firm upon the rock that is Christ. And then when hard times come, they will come, being in relationship with others in discipleship is needed. But I'm not going to stop there. Let's put some stuffing into those points. There we go. Christmas little reference in there. Okay, so doing. Um, it says at the beginning of the passage, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. It's easy to be a hearer of the word, isn't it? You know, to come along Sunday by Sunday uh, and nod your head, saying amen to the bits that you agree with. But, <laughs> there we go. I knew someone would do that. I knew it. For the tape, someone just said amen. Um, <laughs> but it's the thing that truly distinguishes whether you follow him or whether you truly follow him. So, you know, being a doer, that sets you apart. 
So having spanned this series over three autumns, I chatted with Sam last night, is it three years, is it two years? No, we'll make it three autumns. Uh, talking on subjects that you may have heard a hundred times previously, the ability to radically change your thinking, putting it into practice rather than just hearing it, could be decreased. It could be quite, quite a challenge. I've heard all this before and so on, but this morning I really do pray that that, that changes in your heart. It says in James 1, uh, verse 22, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. The more you do, so helping those who are poor in spirit, actively being salt and light in your community, loving your enemies, giving to the needy, fasting, and so on, the deeper your foundations will be formed into the rock. The more you hear, and the less you do, you're just deceiving yourself. The foundation for that Christianity is based wholly on the sand. That when the rain falls, the floods come and the wind blows, your faith will truly be found out. It's funny, isn't it? You know, we kind of, uh, for me myself, I went to university and I heard lots and lots of things, you know, that you should do this and you should do that and you do this and you do that to do this. But I didn't actually do it. <laughs> you know, I kind of heard all these good things. I want to be a sound engineer, but actually putting it into practice sometimes didn't, didn't happen. Um, so. Something that I've put in bold on my notes here, it says, The Sermon on the Mount leaves no room for passive Christianity. The Sermon on the Mount leaves no room for passive Christianity. So what do I mean when I say passive? You know, kind of, it's, it's not really just a case of just hearing it, you know, and, and nodding your head, like I said before. Actually, we need to do it. You know, we've been given this good news. Um, we need to do it. This is a call... Uh, for wholehearted obedience, you know, every Sunday, you know, just coming in obedient to the words that you listen to. I hope I pronounced his name correctly. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who I know people have mentioned before, and I'll refer to you later as well, once said, one act of obedience is better than a hundred sermons. Anyone can be a hearer, but doing what is asked of you distinguishes you. Can anyone remember the band DC Talk? Yeah! Cool, thank you Lou. Um, as part of their song, um, Jesus Freak, what a song that was, uh, the following quote was said, and I know that Lizzie loves it uh, as well. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is simply what an unbelieving world finds unbelievable. If you leave this place today um, without being challenged, without taking a moment to ponder on what the three chapters uh, are asking, you've kind of missed the point of why we've possibly done this whole series altogether. The Bible isn't a book where words are just kind of mustered up um, in order to be a good self-help book, where you kind of fleet between um, different things and through it and take on board some bits and leave others to one side. No, many parts of it call for radical, radical obedience. If you're a Christian here today, you have to make a daily choice 
of whether you pick up that cross, of whether you have foundations that are planted firmly in the solid rock, and then go from there. Why do I say that? You may have been a Christian for years and years and years, and are really sure of your faith. But if you're not putting your faith into action, your foundations are vulnerable. You know, when putting yourself in that position, you need, and move smoothly on to my second point, determination. You need determination. So looking up what it actually means to have determination, Google has told me uh, that it means to have firmness of purpose. Firmness of purpose. Their example being those who succeed because of sheer grit and determination. So you may think that grit and determination, I never thought I'd hear that in a sermon. Why would I even mention it? Um, I've never looked uh, at the piece of scripture, Matthew 7, 24, 27, and actually realised what Rob Warner has written of. That the results of the two, building on the rock and the building of the sand, are indistinguishable without a storm. Yeah? So the fact that you could be on the sand, you might not know until the hard times come. The rains fall, the floods come, and the wind blows and beats on the house. So a couple of years ago, um, a group of us went to Barbados, um, taking advantage of me, thankfully, having a family friend out there um, who's returned to live out there, sorry. Um, it was beautiful. Um, there was one site which has stuck with me since. Um, we visited a place on the east coast of the island, so Barbados is quite strange in the fact that on the west coast of the island you've got the Caribbean Sea, it's nice and calm and, and tranquil. And on the east of the island, sorry, kind of opposite to, to, to you guys, on the east of the island you've got the Atlantic. So on one side you've got it nice and calm, on the other side you've got these waves that just kind of smash against the coast. It's just relentless, you know, you kind of go there and you just see these waves just forever kind of pounding, pounding uh, the beach. It's so dangerous that they pretty much tell you not to swim there due to the kind of undercurrents and, and stuff like that. I would have had um, pictures on the screens, uh, but I wasn't sure how it would work. Um, but had they been on the screens, you would have seen that this coastline is littered. So try and picture in your mind's eye a beach with these massive rocks that literally have looked like they've just been plonked across the coastline. One of the rocks had a house, I say house, made into it. There were steps going up to this house, this kind of big boulder, and there were steps that were built into this rock. There were four walls at the top, no like windows, no PVC windows anyway, uh, kind of just square holes uh, and no roof. But yet this house still stood. You know, it had been kind of obviously relentlessly kind of hit by wave upon wave over the course of time. But it still stood because its foundation was secure. I remember I remember when my dad was terribly ill in hospital. Um, I had to daily make that conscious effort to be determined and root myself uh, into that solid rock. So much like the steps and the house, I had to make that determined effort to, yeah, to kind of put my foundations in the rock. Don't get me wrong, um, it was the hardest time 
of my life. But without making that conscious effort to be on the rock, um, who knows kind of what the vulnerabilities of, of that situation might have. So many, many of the themes um, of the Sermon of the Mount are still very prevalent in today's society. And as such, they're a great cause for concern. So many of them require a true, gritty um, and determined faith to overcome. So if we think about the subjects that we've covered over, over the last three autumns, uh, we've got anger, we've got lust, we've got divorce, we've got retaliation, all those kind of things. <coughs> Having said that, on the flip side, you could argue that you need to be determined in order to be salt and light, uh, to give to the needy, to fast, to not be anxious and so on. Each journey in any of these things, um, I've mentioned, can have contrasting results um, if your foundations are fully in the rock or fully in the sand. Anxiety is a, is a massive, massive thing um, at the moment. Um, I won't mention work, uh, obviously, but I, I, I see quite a lot of it uh, around and sometimes suffer with it myself. Having the determination and faith to be wise and say to yourself, as it says in Matthew 6.25, do not be anxious uh, about your life. I wish I could stand here and say that even, even this week, whenever I felt it, I felt it from a place of standing on the rock, or sitting on the rock. Um, but I know that as the rain fell and the floods came, I struggled. It needs to be that daily decision. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, it says in Lamentations 3, <coughs> verses 22 to 23. So picking up your cross daily with grit and determination, knowing that he is good and your solid rock. <coughs> you may be sitting there thinking, but Adam, I can't do this on my own. Yes, I believe in Jesus Christ who went to the cross, died for my sins. He is my refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble, as it says in Psalm 46, verse 1. And that's why discipleship is so key. I'll come on to that shortly. So I know from having sat through, prepared, rewritten, written, and speaking here now, that my prayer for myself, and for you also, is that we just grow in a godly resilience. So my third point... Uh, is discipleship. Community must be built on the rock. In Matthew 7.24 it says, Everyone, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man. Now does everyone in this room want to be like the wise man? Yes. Yeah. Can you do it by yourself? No. So I've read a few quotes um, from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, said one early on, uh, this guy's great, um, whilst preparing this talk. And I was taken aback by part of a quote that I read. It said this, I hope you can bear with me in this. It says, God verily bore the burden of men in the body of Jesus Christ. But he bore them as a mother carries her child. As a shepherd enfolds the lost lamb that has been found. God took men upon himself and they weighted him to the ground. 
But God remained with them, and they with God. In bearing with men, God maintained fellowship with them. It was the law of Christ that was fulfilled in the cross. And Christians must share this law. I'll try and unpack that a bit more now. It says, but he mentions the nature of God. The nature of God. In bearing with men, God maintained fellowship with them. And we must share in this law. Looking at the quote, it's clear to see that we are to share and bear. Bit of, bit of rhyming there. Share and bear with each other in acts of discipleship. So the Sermon on the Mount is, is challenging. Just taking in this passage of scripture and trying not to have the Sunday school song stuck in my head um, and seeing the scriptures for what they are, this is actually really challenging. It's easy as individuals to sometimes say that I believe in Christ, Christ is enough for me, uh, and so on. But when it comes to being cut up on a motorway, having one too many drinks at the office, Christmas party, to having lustful thoughts over someone, for the red mist to descend and you reacting totally inappropriately, it will be clearly distinguishable, as I said earlier, where your foundations lie on those things. On the rock, or on the sand. My prayer is that we would be a people like it says in the Beatitudes. In Matthew 5 verse 6 it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. What encouragement. The challenges that I mentioned just now are a daily reality for some. So we need to be those that are, who, are, who, are, who, are, yeah, who hunger and thirst. Sorry. I remember last year, um, I think we had a 20s, I say what we think, sorry, I remember last year, I think, uh, we had a 20s, 30s meeting, and we were talking about the subject of swearing. Uh, I didn't think I really had an issue with, with swearing. I admit sometimes there was a tendency to kind of let it slip out, um, but overall I didn't really think that I had an issue. Um, if I too, you know, was cut up on the motorway or, or something like that, having to do emergency stops um, in a country lane. And then I just remember Paul just saying, why? Why? Even those little moments, why, why are you doing it? Um, and it made me think. My foundations, my reasoning for doing it, was not solid. You know, quite often, great was the fall of it, as it says in the verse. You know, what are the, the byproducts of swearing? You know, it might be increased anxiety. It might be further anger. It might be frustration. What does that do? It takes you further from him, quite simply. So in the midst of discipleship, of discussing it with my group, my foundations were repositioned. Actually, when those things happen, I need to remain on the rock. You know, the things that I mentioned. So even if the rain falls, literally the next day, I was in a country lane, going around the corner, came around the corner, a petrol tanker, fully the width of the country lane, was about three metres from my car. That Adam of a couple of weeks beforehand would have probably, you know, bleeped, bleeped something. And even then, I saw the tanker and I skidded slightly. So the rain falls. The floods came. 
But most thoughts came rushing into my mind, like, ah! But the winds blew. There was a peace. Through having my foundations rerouted upon the rock, the things of yesterday didn't happen. And I got to work, and I think I texted the group, I was like, you are never going to guess what's going to happen. <laughs> or what happened, sorry. I couldn't believe it. So you see, when you were in discipleship, whether it be one-to-one, uh, or in your growth group, or your 20s and 30s group, you have the opportunity to be challenged on your thinking. Yeah, so for, you, know, you might be a person that has just had... Um, just been on the sand in a, in a few of your things, for example, me and my swearing, whereas actually in a, in a discipleship relationship, you've got that opportunity to be challenged, to have your foundations kind of re, re-rooted. So I don't think that that earlier Dietrich Bonhoeffer quote means that we should be social workers um, or support workers, and I'm not kind of dissing those occupations. I think it simply means to bear with our brothers and sisters at any time. Not necessarily just in times of need. Why is that? Um, If you can, I'd like you to turn with me to Romans 5, verses 1 to 9. It says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak... At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we've now been justified by his, by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. The wrath of God. While I'm here, um, who do you have who can help with keeping your feet on the solid rock? Faith changing and challenging relationships are key. So there are only two ways that we can build. We can build on the rock, standing firm in word, deed, action, relationship, or on sand, foundations that are easily damaged, broken, You know, the things that won't last, lies that will be revealed, if not soon, in the end. Remember, until the storm comes, it blew my mind when I read that, I kind of got it for the first time, you know, like uh, some of us here, uh, we've known this for, for a fair few years, but until the storm comes, that's only when you know what your foundations are on. It is indistinguishable as to whether your foundations are on the rock. Or on the sand. I know I use the phrase, uh, you might be sitting there. You are sitting there. Um, <laughs> I use it because uh, it may be true. You may be sitting there thinking, Adam, I've, I've just not got the time. I've not got the time to kind of meet with people and, and that kind of thing. Adam, my life is fine. You know, I don't really need to see anyone. Um, discipleship done well 
is amazing. It's life-changing. It's edifying. It's encouraging. It's faith-enhancing. And so, so much more. Let's be more community. So just before I finish up, um, let me just uh, recap slightly. So we've had doing. The more we do, rather than just hear, the wiser we are. I firmly believe the more we do, the deeper our foundations will become in the rock. Let's be a doing people. Determination. A daily determination to live by what we hear, maybe on a Sunday morning, uh, or podcasts, etc. Or, or even see when we kind of have our time just reading the word. It may even be good to go back over each of these sections of the Sermon on the Mount, taking in the value of, of each one. It says in Revelation 3, 15 to 16, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. To finish with that piece of scripture is enough to challenge anyone. There's a song we sing called Befriended. Great song. And there is a line in it that says, Determined. Determined now to live this life for you. How determined are you? Do you want to be hot, not lukewarm? And lastly, discipleship. The notion of bearing with one another as Christ has done with us. In order for community to grow, we have to have more and more people who have a faith built upon the solid foundations of living from the goodness of the rock. So before the band come up, I'd just like to reflect um, on the last section of scripture that I've, I've to cover. So I had uh, build your house on the rock and then the authority uh, of Jesus at, at the end. It's Matthew 7, uh, 28, 29. And it says, And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Astonished. Think of the word astonished. The crowds have just seen probably the greatest sermon of all time. You know, we've kind of looked at it over three autumns. That crowd were there just, you know, witnessing everything. But it wasn't just anyone who kind of spoke those words. You know, he, Jesus embodied the message that he was, he was giving. You know, he wasn't one of the scribes, you know, the guys who were associated with the high priests and the Pharisees. He was Jesus Christ. Their response will surely provoke one reaction, one question. Who is this man? You know, the crowds kind of came because he was there on the mountain. But who is this man? Now, it doesn't matter, I hope I'm okay in saying this, it doesn't matter who is speaking up here. Uh, myself, Sam, Mike, Luke, Pete, Paul, Neil. The one who you should take notice of is the teachings of Jesus in the Bible. Astonishing. The more you root yourself in this, the more you put into practice, the deeper your foundations in him will be. The less you take hold of this, and yet call yourself a Christian, when the hard times come, greater the fall will be. But we don't want that, surely. 
determined, determined now to live this life for you. Not just living with God in the good times when everything is fine, but knowing that your foundations are secure when the storms come. As it says in scripture, when the rain falls, when the floods come, and when the wind blows against the house. Would the band make your way up uh, to the front, please? I'm just going just gonna to pray. Dear Father, I want to thank you that you have been with us this morning. Lord, I appreciate that there are going to be some of the things that I've just spoken about that are going to be hard for people to comprehend. That are going to be hard to kind of wrestle with, Lord, and I speak for myself. Lord, but I just want to say you are worthy. Lord, you are so, so worthy. You are so, so glorious, Lord. And this life just robs us all too often, Lord, in challenges and and hard times, Lord, of the gloriousness of you. Lord, I pray, Lord, would you build in us, from this moment, a resilience. A resilience in our relationship with you. A resilience in our passion of using this, your word, A resilience to be a people that are founded firmly on the rock, Lord. Lord, I want to thank you for this morning, Lord, and I just pray, Lord, that you would just speak to everyone in this place about what we have heard, not just today, Lord, but from the other sermons that we have heard on this, the Sermon on the Mount, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you are glorious. Lord, and as we come to worship, Lord, will we just know that we have that secure foundation, Lord, and will we just gladly jump upon it, Lord, knowing that you have saved us, knowing that you love us, Lord God. Amen.